Howdy, y'all. Welcome to the Urbane Cowboys podcast. I'm Josiah Neely with the R Street Institute. And I'm Doug McCullough with the Lone Star Policy Institute. Today, we have with us a very special guest, Grover Norquist, the founder and president of Americans for Tax Reform. Uh, So, Grover, welcome to the program. Delighted to be with you. So, we're going to talk today about the situation in Belarus and, uh, sorry, wrong notes, Uh, taxes. We're going to talk about taxes. Uh, I didn't want to think, it's an ugly thing, so you don't want to think about it. Uh, But uh, we just finished up the two conventions. The Democrats had their convention and the Republicans had their convention and they have both laid out their tax plans. And uh, the Biden tax plan has a lot of interesting stuff in it for America. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what's in the Biden tax plan? Sure. Biden has been very clear. Uh, We all remember when Walter Mondale uh, said in his acceptance speech that he would raise taxes. That wasn't very specific. Uh, It was enough to lose him the election. And Saturday Night Live had no end of fun uh, mocking his decision to announce he was raising taxes. Biden has been very aggressive in order to win the Democratic nomination. He had to credibly convince the left of the party, the party's largely a left of center party now, he had to convince the activists and the primary voters that he would raise enough money to make it worth their while to go to the polls, because if you're not going to raise money, how's anybody going to get anything? So he had to not just say, yes, I'll raise some taxes and then talk about the goodies. He had to be very specific about how he was going to take a pair of pliers and pull people's teeth out uh, and get the gold there and get actual money. And so step one, uh, he has said repeatedly that on day one, he will repeal the entire Trump Republican tax cut, the entire thing, the thing that passed in uh, 2017. That means that the corporate rate that was 35% under Biden and Obama, which is the highest in the world. Communist China is at 25%. We were at 35%. People were exporting capital from the United States. People in other countries were investing in other countries because we had higher business taxes than communist China, than Germany. Uh, All these countries that we think of as not necessarily uh, terribly attractive to investment uh, were more attractive on their tax policy than the United States was. Uh, he wants to take the 21% rate that uh, Republicans passed and move it back to 35. Sometimes his staff says 28, but he is on record 10 times. We have a video of him uh, at our website, a <laughs> little list of them, one, one after another, repeal the whole thing, go back to 35%. Uh, That would bring us back to when people actually move their corporate headquarters out of the United States in order not to be an American firm because of our tax policy, both the high rate and worldwide taxation. Remember, if you're a Canadian company, Canada taxes what you do in Canada, but doesn't tax what you do in the United States, doesn't tax what you do in France. And if it's an American company, we used to tax every penny you made in the United States. Okay, fair is fair. tax what happens inside your country. But we also taxed what you earned in France, even though France already taxed it. Now, talk about stupid. That was stupid. We went away from it. That was helpful. And Biden wants to go back to stupid uh, on international taxation. 
On an individual level, uh, the Republicans doubled the per child tax credit from 1,000 to 2,000. He, Biden says he'll get rid of that because uh, he's going to get rid of the whole thing. Uh, you add to that, he wants to go back to Obamacare and bring back some of the tax increases in Obamacare that Republicans over the years had pulled out and gotten rid of. Uh, the most obvious, painful, destructive uh, one is the 5 million American households that every year that Obama was president got a tax of $695 per person in the household who refused to buy Obamacare. So this isn't, $695 did not get you Obamacare. This is not pay a tax, get some benefit. No, this is the penalty, the tax penalty for refusing the wonderful opportunity of Obamacare, which you don't want, which you couldn't afford because Obamacare is pretty expensive, or you just you decided you didn't want to do it. Um, that's $695 per person, up to um, uh, $2,000 for a family of four. Three quarters of the people who were hit with that, the 5 million people who were hit with that tax each year under Obama, three quarters of them earned less than $50,000 a year. So if we can segue to back to the new promise from uh, Biden, no one will pay any higher taxes if they make less than $400,000 a year. That's what Biden is saying now. Well, the, in the same sentence, he says he'll bring back that tax penalty, which we know hits mostly people who make less than $50,000. Um, but we know he's lying, not just because he's lying. We know he's lying because uh, back in 2008, when he and Obama ran, the ad they ran most frequently was that they would never raise taxes on anyone who earned more than $250,000 a year. And that was, from the beginning, a lie. Uh, they raised taxes on middle-income people in many different ways, uh, and during Obamacare and in, in other zones. So if you hear them promising not to raise taxes on anyone who earned less than $400,000, that's the lie they tell. And you know it's a lie because you can. They, he, he also wants an energy tax. They call it a carbon tax because most people say, I don't own a carbon, so I must not be getting taxed. A carbon tax is an energy tax. It's a tax on driving your car. It's a gasoline tax. Uh, once we get the American people to understand that a carbon tax is a gasoline tax and a home heating oil tax and a natural gas tax and everything else, then it's a dead letter. Uh, as soon as you get specific about how expensive a carbon tax, an energy tax, a gasoline tax plus uh, is so he's been uh, he wants to double the capital gains tax this is this is no now we're getting out of the zone of just taking away the tax cuts that the republicans put forward we're now going to after you raise taxes by getting rid of the republican tax cut what do you add on top of that so on top of that is the energy tax the gasoline tax uh the carbon tax and he also wants to double the capital gains tax rate to 40%. And if you remember the earlier lie that no one who earned less than $400,000 a year would ever see taxes, he's very specific when he gleefully says everybody will pay a 40% capital gains tax, which by the way would be twice what communist China has. Okay. So when people say, oh, Biden, he's, he's a moderate, right? Because he's like not as crazy as Bernie. Well, he's to the left of communist China. So you tell me <laughs> that that's your definition of moderate. He wants twice the capital gains tax, 40% instead of 20. He, um, and, he, and when he says it, he says every single American 
will pay a 40% capital gains tax. So he's very clear that this only, you know, only the super rich, uh-uh, uh-uh, every single American. And he has said that again and again. And he forgets. Everyone's got a camera these days. Everybody's got an iPhone. <laughs> and all of this stuff is on film. At our website, HER.org, we have all of these lovely quotes strung together in like 30 and 40 second bites. So you can see them. And then there's the singing duet of him and Senator Harris from California, each saying the same thing about how excited they are about the different tax increases uh, that they both want. Um, so, you know, we're really looking at uh, oh, quick numbers. The median income family of four would get a $2,000 tax increase simply by repealing the Republican tax cut. How much how much of a tax cut do they get? The average family, median income, dead center, median income, family of four, uh, got a $2,000 tax cut. That would go away every year. So if you want to pay $2,000 more in taxes, vote for Biden. If you're a single parent uh, earning about 40 that median income there as well, uh, it's a $1,300 tax increase. So there, there, you can get very specific about how much your taxes will go up. All right, but I kind of want to go back to your comment that uh, Biden has said he wants to do this on day one. Let's let's talk about that. So on on one hand, we're you know come January twenty twenty one, we still may be uh, we may still be in a pandemic that's under that's out of control. Uh, we're still likely to be either in a recession or just coming out of recession. And even if the Democrats sweep and control both houses of Congress. They, they're going to have to – do you think that they're going to really um, rapidly uh, sort of focus on a tax hike in, in this type of context despite what, what he may be saying now? I mean, but this would – I mean, this isn't something he can do by executive order. I mean, this is something that would require legislation, right? Uh, it would require legislation, but it only requires a simple majority of both houses uh, because tax hikes raise revenue – they, in theory, don't increase the deficit, although you slow the economy down enough, it does. Uh, and therefore, you don't have to pay for them because it's a tax hike. Uh, and they would be permanent. Remember, the tax cuts are not permanent. Um, uh, some of them aren't permanent uh, because the way reconciliation pack, the, uh, the way they do the package, you can get a simple majority to do something if within a 10-year window or five-year window, uh, you can cut taxes. But beyond that, it has to be revenue uh, deficit neutral. Uh, so they can raise taxes limitlessly, permanently, with 51, 50 Senate votes and a vice president and a simple majority in the House. Yes, they will do exactly this. They will do this because they plan on spending. Remember, they've got... Um, $98 trillion in spending plans under the Green New Deal. Um, that means increasing total government spending from $4 trillion a year uh, to $13 trillion, you know, $13 trillion a year at nine each year. Uh, you are more, you're tripling the spending by the government. Uh, and you've got to go and raise that money. And remember, they don't just like to raise taxes to uh, have money to spend. They like to raise taxes to make it clear to people they are punishing success and affluence. 
they are raising, Obama said it when he was president. They said, you know, if you raise the capital gains tax, it could lose revenue. And he said he knew that. And he was for raising the capital gains tax, even if it lost revenue, which it tends to um, because it's such a destructive tax increase because he wanted to punish the people who are earning money by investing in the stock market. You know, more than half the countries in the stock market now. This is not back in the 1960s when 10% of the population was in the stock market. You have 100 million Americans with a 401k and IRA or some similar saving program. And I think when we think of the damage that Biden's tax increases would do, we tend to think of it as this much of my paycheck will disappear, uh, which is important. But the biggest change will come uh, when you think about it to your life savings. Again, uh, 80 million households have a 401k or an IRA, just looking at those two ways of saving in the stock market. Uh, if you simply were invested in the S&P 500 across the you know, entire economy, uh, your life savings increased 50% because Trump got elected and cut taxes and deregulated. And so if you had uh, $10,000 in your life savings, it went to 15. If you had $100,000, it went to $150,000. Uh, and again, the majority of the country is invested in the stock market, and that is your life savings beyond your home. Uh, and it went up 50%, went down during COVID, never as far down as it was under Obama and, and, uh, and Biden. They were worse for your life savings than COVID was, by the way. It went down, <laughs> come back up to where it's about 50% up again and continuing to move in the right direction. You get rid of the tax cut. You undo the deregulation as they promised to do, and your life savings, if you have $150,000 in a 401k, it'll go back to $100,000. If you have $15,000, it'll go back to $10,000. That's the damage that a Biden presidency will do. It's to your life savings that you'll see the biggest hit in your life. Your slower income growth and less take-home money, that's not any fun either, but it's not as big as the hit you'll get when the stock market uh, reacts to the higher taxes in the same way, they, the opposite way they reacted when we cut taxes. Right. I want to I ask you a couple of questions about that because uh, I'm looking at the tax foundation write-up of the Biden tax plan. And according to the way they have uh, reviewed his plan, they say that the, uh, the, 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 the hike on capital gains to to match ordinary income rates, taking it up to what would be um, 39%. Uh, th they say that that is for only er people earning over $1 million, but you're saying that that is for uh, every American is what you're saying that he, that he has been, that he has said. So is he kind of quibbling on that? Is he sending mixed messages on that point? Uh, no, he's fooling people like the tax foundation, which thinks something written down and uh, passed over to them is actually the plan. Uh, he has stated his plan publicly on TV again and again and again. Um, nobody except people from the Tax Foundation reads some plan that somebody writes down, which does have all the caveats that would uh, try and pretend uh, that they're only doing X, Y, or Z. But that's not what he says in public. And that's not what the Democrats have signed up for. And they're in no way going to live by some sort of geeky, um, you know, the micro written 
uh, study of, oh, this is, the, the, go, go look at this. And you have to guesstimate on a lot of that stuff anyway. So um, that's to fool people like the Tax Foundation successfully um, uh, into, into thinking that these caveats that appear there and in none of his speeches and not in the platform, uh, in point of fact, are somehow a, a limitation. There, is, there isn't a Democrat in Congress who feels bound by some memo that was handed to the establishment to make them believe that uh, what they said in public is not really what they're planning on doing. Another question on capital gains is uh, talk, talk a little bit about how this plays out economically, how it actually affects decision-making by not only investors, which is sort of obvious, but talk about how it affects the decision-making of investors and business owners and even someone who's a would-be entrepreneur. How does this? How does a, a dramatic change to the capital gains rate affect the decision-making and the economic activity? Well, if, when capital gains goes up, uh, it means if you invest in the stock market and stock goes up, uh, they take a much bigger bite out of any gain you get. If you uh, buy, uh, buy and sell a house or land or um, uh, a, a small business, uh, all of those things, it makes any asset worth less. Because when you go to sell your house, uh, one of the things that anybody who wants to buy your house looks at is, what's the property tax on it? And if the property tax is higher, then you're buying a house and a drain on your cash flow of, you know, three, six, ten, fifty thousand dollars $50,000. My brother pays $50,000 a year in, <laughs> in property taxes in San Francisco for a hovel. Um, you know, that reduces, how much you only pay per house? Well, if I have to pay $10,000 a year in property taxes, I'm willing to pay less for the house than if it's $5,000 a year in property taxes. Uh, so it, it, the capital gains tax, when you sell it, drops the value of what you're selling, of what you'll get uh, for it. So not only um, do you pay a tax on it, you can't get the gain you would because it, it, ju it just makes the whole thing worth, makes it worth less to the person who's buying it from you. Because when they see a gain later on land or value or stock, they too will have to pay the higher tax penalty um, for owning that property. It makes all property worth less. Um, you know, every building, every parking lot, every house, every piece of stock, uh, any asset is worth less if the capital gains tax is higher. Um, so when you sell it, you just get a lower price for it. Uh, so it's, it's depressing for the entire, it's not just, well, I'm only going to sell my house once, right? It, it, it depresses the value of your house every day that you own the house every um, at, or stock or anything else that you're planning on uh, selling at some point uh, or passing on to, to heirs. Uh, they also want to bring back the death tax. And there are all sorts of uh, different suggestions on how high they want to bring the death tax back. But um that that will that will also spring back whenever the Democrats get in power. They move to increase the death tax and the number of people who pay it. So I want go ahead, good. Oh yeah. So I want to talk. There, obviously, there are a lot of different taxes that the Democrats are in favor of raising. 
There is one that they seem to be uh, very much in favor of lowering or a deduction that they want to restore, and that's uh, SALT, right, which is, I guess, an acronym for uh, state and local tax. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So what uh, what's that all about? Chuck Schumer, this is like one of his red lines is to restore the SALT deduction. Yeah, it's it's too funny. Um, right? The, Two years before the Republican tax cut, um, if you lived in New York City and you pay very high income tax to New York State and you pay an income tax to New York City and you pay high property taxes, um, you could take those high taxes and deduct them from your income. So you made a million dollars a year and you you know you paid a hundred thousand dollars in state and local taxes. They you would only pay taxes on nine hundred thousand dollars. Um, the, now you don't get to deduct, you know, uh, the, the price of a car or buying a home or, you know, this other stuff, but, but you would get to deduct, uh, your state and local taxes. It is an implicit tax subsidy for people who live in Democrat controlled states with very high income taxes, California, um, Connecticut, New Jersey, New York, and particularly cities that have very rapacious property taxes, San Francisco, LA, New York City. Um, And so those states and cities, they've been passing tax increases for decades. And they say to high income, oh, you got to be rich for this to really matter. Very high income people. um, They say, you know, we're going to raise your taxes, rich people in New York City, but don't leave because there, it's it's like it's like kind of like it's on sale. Um, you don't you'll be able to deduct your state and local taxes. You, we're going to take a hundred thousand dollars from you, um, but really you don't have to pay federal taxes like you know thirty five percent on that hundred thousand. So it's not a hundred thousand. It's really only uh, sixty five thousand dollars in higher taxes on you because you can deduct it. Uh, from your federal income taxes, the the, the payment. Uh, so it's a subsidy to uh, corrupt cities and uh, incompetently run states that raise taxes again and again on higher income people to cover for failure. Uh, and they, you remember back in Calif- California when they passed Prop 13 uh, back in 1978, uh, the governor then said, oh, this is no good because it's a uh, $4 billion tax cut for property tax reduction. But you know, the federal government's going to take a bunch of that because you'll have more money and you'll have to pay higher taxes. So the uh, Democrats for years have said, don't cut state and local taxes because the feds get some, you get most of it, but the feds get some of it. So don't, you, you shouldn't be for a tax cut. And you also shouldn't object to a tax increase. So the Democrats use this regularly to argue for increasing state and local taxes. And they cannot raise taxes in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut now because it's not deductible anymore. And their rich liberal Democrat uh, targets would throw a rock at their head if they tried to raise their taxes now. So this getting rid of the tax deductibility. Uh, it, it's deductible for the first $10,000, by the way. So any middle income uh, person is, is covered. It, 
and, and doesn't, you know, since there's, you pay some property taxes, you don't pay federal taxes on that as well. Uh, it might have been cleaner to get rid of all of it, but this made sure that this was uh, really not going to hit anybody of, of average, median, or even uh, well-heeled uh, uh, income. The Democrats cannot raise the money they want to to continue the wasteful spending in corrupt cities and incompetently run states without the federal government subsidizing their incompetence and corruption by giving them a tax credit for it. And that's why the building base of the modern Democratic Party is now state is now local state city governments. I mean, the, the political structure for the Democratic Party used to be organized labor, teamsters, steel workers. But then they basically destroyed so many of those industries that instead of a third of the workforce being unionized, it's now 7% of the private sector workforce is unionized. And the companies that thrive are the ones that were never unionized. And the ones that have been shrunk down to next to nothing are the ones that were uni used to be lots of steel workers, used to be lots of coal workers, used to be lots of auto workers. Those have all shrunk dramatically in numbers because union work rules, whatnot. Um, then they shifted to public sector unions, teachers unions and others, because they could get a lot of money from them and they don't have competitors. So they don't shrink, they get bigger. But now they've gone straight to the cities, uh, the cities themselves. I'm in Washington, DC, and there's a big demonstration against Trump. The police are closing down the traffic for the demonstrators to have free reign in the city. So the police are actually organizing the demonstration and causing the traffic problems. Um, not the demonstrators, the city employees are doing this. And when they were doing demonstrations earlier, they gave them the parks. The city gave them the parks to demonstrate in and live in and defecate in and whatnot. Um, so the, the new structure for the modern Democratic Party is cities themselves. They need to be able to tax relentlessly. And what COVID has done is taught everybody now you don't necessarily need to live in San Francisco or New York City to work. Yeah, I, so I want to go ahead. No, no, go you ahead. go ahead. I, I want to ask a, a general question about competitiveness. You, you've mentioned about the Biden corporate tax rate would be hiked and that this was higher than, than China. Talk about that. And even, you know, there's other aspects of this, like, and this is really deep in the weeds, but like even the guilty provisions with the, the, you know, the changes that were made under the TCJA, uh, the, the tax cut bill, um, where we, you know, we basically were incentivizing, incentivizing companies to sort of repatriate to re you know to move their headquarters back to the united states um but now uh, under this this guilty regime uh biden wants to double that tax could you talk just a little bit about overall sort of the tax impact if you will of the biden tax plan and how that might affect the competitiveness of u.s corporations and what that means to the economy because we hear so much now about about the American worker and need to create jobs and so forth. So could you talk about that just for a minute? Sure. Back when Obama was president and Biden was vice president, they whined about Benedict Arnold companies, traitorous companies that were moving their corporate headquarters to Belgium and Canada. Uh, our friends at Burger King were purchased by a Canadian firm. Uh, why? Because all of Burger King, its market capitalization was worth more if Burger King was a Canadian company than an American company. Now, this sounds odd because it's the same 
franchises. It's the same buildings. It's the same employees. It's the same burgers. Um, but under U.S. law, under Biden and Obama, which has been radically changed by the Republicans, if you sold a hamburger in the United States, an American company, you paid 35% on any profits. But if you sold a hamburger in France, you would first pay French taxes. And then if you tried to bring any of your profits back to the United States to build more Burger Kings in America, um, you would pay a 35, uh, up to 35% corporate income tax on top of what the French took out of your pocket. So there was a double taxation uh, of overseas earnings. And it meant you had a, because we had a worldwide tax system. There were two changes. We went from a worldwide tax system to a largely territorial tax system. We tax what happens in America. If you make money in Japan and bring it back, we don't care. We love to see the money come back. The old one was you bring the money back from Japan, we tax it. What did that do? That meant companies left their money overseas and built factories <laughs> because they didn't have to pay the tax if it was stuck overseas, but you bring it back, you did. So we want you to bring the money back. And uh, trillions of dollars was stuck overseas. And we, they no longer, the nice people at Apple brought like um, $90 billion back. And they said, well, we're bringing money back. And there's a bunch still over there. We tend to bring it all back. But we're no longer even reporting whether it's in an American bank or a British bank because it's all available to us in the United States now. The only reason you used to keep track of whether your money was in a British bank or an American bank was that if you brought it back, you got hit with a tax. Now you can bring it back anytime you want. You just write yourself a check and you don't pay any taxes. So it's all available to be invested in the United States. Much of it has been formally invested, reinvested in the United States, but it's all now available without penalty to invest in America. It's crazy as it was, the Democrats loved the idea of taxing all income throughout the world that an American company made in Tibet, uh, you know, and, and to, br to bring it back, they wanted their piece of the action. They wanted their, you know, dig. Uh, and, and, and just to point, just to point out that that's a really rare concept in international tax, right? Yeah. Uh, it, it's a little confusing. I think North Korea does it. And, <laughs> and there's some countries that I can't pronounce in the Pacific Islands that may claim. Um, oh, I know. One of the African countries claimed it because they had a lot of refugees living in Sweden and they wanted to tax their refugees in Sweden. <laughs> um, but it's, you know, Somalia or Ethiopia or something. It was it was uh, I'm not sure that they pay attention to the, the home country's interest in taxing them there. But uh Yes. No, it's so stupid that the French don't do it. OK, give you some clue um, that this is not a good idea. So I want to just to uh, to wrap up, I want to talk a little bit about the other side of the coin. We've talked a lot about uh, Biden and the Democrats or whatever. But, uh, you know, there are uh, uh, two. Well, there's more than two candidates on the ballot. There's Kanye and other folks. But uh, if Trump wins again. Uh, and there's a, a second term. What would you like to see? What do you expect to see from the second Trump administration uh, on taxes? Sure. Well, we can go with things that the president uh, and his allies in the House and Senate have talked about. Uh, a number of the tax cuts last 10 years uh, on the individual level. Their goal is to make them all permanent. 
Okay, so they may kick them out another 10 years. They may pass them permanent, but the goal is to make sure the doubling of the per child tax credit is permanent, not just for 10 years. And the lower individual rates is made permanent. Um, the because businesses have to plan many decades into the future, all of the corporate changes were made permanent um, with offsetting revenue. Uh, but the individual rates, the individual tax cuts were not made permanent. Their go the Republican goal is to make that permanent or at least kick it out another 10 years is in effect permanent. Uh, the president's also talked about indexing capital gains for inflation so that if you buy a stock and then 50 years later you sell it when you retire, um, you don't pay capital gains on the inflation that accumulated over 50 years or on a house or land or buildings. Uh, on average, 40% of the gain when you buy and sell stocks is inflation. And so basically it's a huge capital gains tax cut, but it, it just makes it clear if you hold on to something a long time, you should not be taxed on the inflation gain, only the real gain. Um, and the president's talked about doing that through executive order, which he has the authority to, and I've written on this uh, subject. I, I was hoping he'd do it now, but I think he may do it, in a, he would do it in a second term, either legislatively, or if the Democrats hold on to the House, do it by executive order. Um, that's a, a key tax cut that the president could do unilaterally. Uh, so I think take the, the, the others have talked about taking the corporate rate, the capital gains tax rate down. That would require Congress. Uh, it's a good idea. Capital gains tax should be zero. It's a double taxation of, of an asset that you already paid taxes on the money that you bought the asset with. Uh, it'd be very helpful to the economy to have a zero capital gains tax. Um, so and then, of course, they want to take the the death tax has largely gone away, except for larger estates. And the goal is you really need to get rid of it completely, because as long as it's even on three people, uh, the Democrats will more likely bring it back. Um, when it's dead and gone, it's just tougher to restart. So I think we need to drive a stake through its heart and get rid of it completely. It's it's you know it's mostly dead, but it's not completely dead. Uh, okay, uh, so final question, something lighter that we like to ask a lot of our guests is what their favorite movie or TV show related to the topic of the conversation is. So do you have a, a favorite tax or anti-tax movie? Oh, my goodness. Uh, anything dealing with the American Revolution qualifies Yes. Um, as a good anti-tax movie. Uh in 1774, American colonists were paying 1% to 2% of their income in taxes. The British in London were paying 20%. They were thinking about going to three, and we started shooting at them. Um, now, there's been some backsliding since 1774. Uh, we pay more than 1% to 2% in total taxes, unfortunately. More like a third, which is crazy. Uh, but we really do need to get that down towards what the colonists were paying. Uh, uh, back then. Uh, I like the Taxman song uh, from the Beatles. Mm-hmm, yeah. I'm, I'm, it's a good question. A tax... I don't know. Uh, I, I just go with the American Revolution movies. Okay. There actually is a... They, they made a cartoon movie based on the Beatles' Taxman song uh, where they the Beatles go back in time and help out Robin Hood. Uh, you can find it on YouTube if uh, if anyone is, a, it's about. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, well, 
Remember, Robin Hood was stealing from the sheriff of Nottingham. He wasn't stealing from the rich. He was stealing from the government bureaucrats who looted the populace. Right. That he was, he was uh, in effect, taking tax money away from the government and giving it back to the people they stole it from. Correct. Yes, yes. So that's... that's Because uh... our friends on the left think that uh, Robin Hood was some sort of redistributor of income. Well, well away from the government, yes. <laughs> All right. Well, Grover Norquist, the Robin Hood of the 21st century, perhaps. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Thank you. Good to be with you.